Welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is episode 24. 24. This is the start, second start of episode 24, because I botched <laughs> the first one so bad we actually re-recorded the first five seconds, which is funny because on the Have At You podcast I do on Mondays two weeks ago, they were doing the round table and Trent's like, hey everybody, I'm here with, you know, there's Brett, Jordan, Todd, and then it goes to Greg, and I just went, hey everybody. <laughs> I don't know if I was trying to say hey everybody or I was trying to say hey everyone it, but it came out as hey everybody hey everybody hey everybody it was excellent I'm gonna so, call you Bubby now that's okay that's a good name I like that well I call my cats that anyway all right yeah I call him I call him Bubba Bubba's Bubba's usually what it's a shortened version of Bubba it's yeah I think it's, exactly it's like it's like a cutesy version of baby it's like Bubba well I think Bubba is actually Yiddish oh it's like Yiddish for like little grandmother or something completely un unrelated to cats in any way. It's oh. it's a term of endearment, Bubula. I remember I remember hearing that on South Park. Where yes. like Kyle's mom is like Bubula. And they're Jewish, so that makes sense. Okay. Speaking of South Park. Yes. And ooh, that was not a planned segue, let me just tell you. It worked out. I'm firing in all cylinders this lovely Sunday morning. The day has arrived. Well, Technically, October 17th is the day it will arrive. The Fractured Butthole South new, Park game comes out. Ooh, new South Park game. So okay, so I would make an argument that one of the best RPGs I've ever played in my whole life was South Park's Stick of Truth. <laughs> it was great. I played through it. It actually took me two tries because I started playing it a few years ago. And I don't know, there was... I was playing it at a really, like, a, a hard difficulty because I was thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be really easy. I'm going to make this harder for myself so that I don't feel like I'm going to breeze through it. And their hard setting is actually quite difficult because it's all based yeah. on timing. I would never have recommended starting on that. Yeah. No. So I, I set it down and then I, when I found out that they were coming out with the second one, you really pushed for me to, to play through it because I had rewatched all the South Park and I was really excited and you're like, well, why don't you play the game? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a must play for any fan of that show. It really is. Uh, because I, I've always told people that if if that game came out and there was never any more South Park ever, it would be the ultimate send off to that series. Mm-hmm. It had every reference from every episode, every character, every like everything was great. You go around the town and you, you learn a lot about every character and it's it's very well done i think for being a video game that has so many references i mean all the character actors are there and it's great it's it's a lot of fun the thing that is a little frustrating if you're not used to the type of rpg that it is it's not i mean it is turn-based but a lot of the actions that you do are timing based so it's you hit a at a certain point or you know b at a certain point or x and it's like more interactive combat yeah like it's not like final fantasy 7 where you just pick a command and then he does the command it'll be more like you pick the command and then you have to hit another button at the right time it's almost like a music rhythm game in that sense where you have to hit at the right time to get your extra damage and everything i guess you would consider it real based real time turn based where you have the different turns of the the opponent and then your player but then there's an element Mm -hmm. of real time and i tend to not do more real time like the later final fantasy games are all real-time combat and i don't necessarily enjoy it but i like how they did that because they took a little bit 
of real time and incorporated it into turn-based, which I think is really well done. And you've been playing Persona 5 currently. Yes. And that's all turn-based? It's all turn-based. Because okay. for anyone who doesn't know, I haven't been allowed to play it <laughs> because Jen started playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and then I didn't want to wait, so I started playing it. Oh, yeah. And it killed her buzz to play it because yep. she watched me play the whole game. The one game I was looking forward to. Well, technically... There were two games because it was oh, that Persona. and it was Persona. <laughs> Persona and South Park. So then with Persona, she was like, hey, I'm going to play this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, that sounds great. You should play it. I'm going to play it too. And she looked at me. She's like, I'm going to play it. <laughs> so I said, okay. And so. And then I looked at him again. I said, you don't understand. I'm going to play it. <laughs> so I've been missing out on apparently the greatest thing since sliced bread this year. And here's the funny thing. I'm about 24 hours in and I don't even think I'm halfway done. Yeah, there's, I think <laughs> I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they said they put 90 hours into it. Yeah. Uh, and it's really easy to do though. Yeah. To put in that To get wrapped time. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things going on. Exactly. Um, but so I got to tell you, so obviously I'm excited about a new South Park game, but I'm a little worried about it. So... What I'm worried about is not necessarily the game not being good. I have full faith that that game's going to be amazing. <laughs> but I haven't stayed up with South Park. I haven't been caught up oh, with South sure. Park for many seasons. Like, I'm not talking a couple seasons. I'm talking probably 10 seasons at this point. I'm well, I've been, I watched through it, and you watched some of them. I did. And, and like, I really fell off the wagon when they started doing the every episode as, like, some sort of political statement to something going on in the news. Like, when they switched to the format where it was, we're going to do an episode in a week. Like, they literally make those episodes that week that they come out which is insanity to me but that's how they do it and so they would pick something that was current make an episode around it have it done and the episode comes out on a wednesday but i'm really starting to feel like i don't what if i don't know enough about the south park universe to get enough of the references well i watched the trailer and it looks like they have the coon which is cartman's alter never seen it You've never seen the coon? No, I've never seen the episode with that in it. Well, it goes with Mysterio, I think. I can't remember if it's Mysterio, Mysterion. It's, um, well, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. It, it. I think it's Kyle's alter ego. Okay. He's a crime fighter. Or not Kyle. I'm sorry. Kenny. So you don't know it's Kenny okay. for a really long time. And he talks in this very deep Christian Bale Batman type voice. <laughs> and he runs around at night. And coon is his... um. It's his enemy. It's like his Joker or yeah. Two Face or whatever. I I gotta tell you, like, I found it a little offensive. Like, I know it's supposed to be because it's South Park. What's offensive? But like the the name of he looks you know, like a raccoon. I know, and that's the joke. Oh, but that's that's what I mean. Is I actually found that a little offensive, but I know that's what they were going for. So I don't want to touch too much on here because I don't want to make everyone uncomfortable. But it, it just like anyway. So I didn't. I'm not a like. I don't. I didn't have any urge to watch the episodes. So now I've missed out on countless seasons of South Park, which I don't know if it's getting to like Simpsons territory for me now where I just have stopped watching it because I feel like there was a dip in quality in the middle. So Mm -hmm. it lost me as a fan. But I kind of want to go back to it because I know there's good episodes there and it wouldn't be on for, what is it, 21 seasons or whatever it's up to now. It wouldn't be on that long if it wasn't good. Well, and I agree with what you said. And I've watched everything that's available and so i would agree that when they went away with the story arcs where they were pre-written and not necessarily i think they've always been pop culture based sure i think that they did it 
very intelligently as much as you can do that kind of thing intelligently they picked and chose their pop culture carefully it wasn't every episode was jam-packed full of pop culture references and i think it's very much a a disadvantage when you have so much material at your fingertips that you try to do everything whereas you know in seasons prior when it was in its heyday was much more there was some subtlety to it there was some overt things to it but there was still that overarching storyline between the the relationships between the kids and and everything and it's almost become a caricature of itself which is what happens in any sitcom and any tv show it becomes okay Kenny's the poor kid so you know everything's about you know Kenny being the poor kid and Kyle's always the the Jew and then Cartman's the fat one and mm-hmm. Stan Stan's yeah. just Stan I think really the series is about Stan but <laughs> and, and and I and I, I always liked South Park like I, I I never had a problem where I ever got to a point where I thought they were stupid. I thought they were dumb episodes and I didn't like the style he took. So I just need to dive back into it because I know if I dive back into it, I'll get hooked on it. Sure. I know I will. Like, I just, I know it's good. I I have to say, though, I I do like the most recent season when they parody Mr. Garrison running for office and it was turd sandwich versus... Giant douche. Giant douche. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, like, their first, I think that was the, um, like, the Puff Daddy episode where it was, like, vote or die. And he had that song and like like know. Puff Daddy was coming and if you didn't vote, like he'd kill you or something. Oh, like, yes. Right? Was it Puff Daddy or was it Kanye? It was Puff Daddy. Was it Puff Daddy? Yeah. That, that's how old that episode is. Oh, <laughs> because my. one, I've seen it. And two, it was it was P. Diddle or whatever. But they brought that name. back with the most recent season with, right. with Mr. Garrison being giant douche. Right. They brought it back and then, but I'm sure they, yeah, they didn't bring Puff Daddy back. I don't, I don't think, think so. Which is fine because I don't think he's very relevant anymore. So No, that's why I thought it was Kanye. I'll have to rewatch <laughs> it. But I love the member berries. Like that becomes a a story, like not a story, but that becomes a little snippet that happens periodically through the seasons of the reason why some of these things are becoming relevant is people are eating these member berries right. and, that, and that, being that, nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, and that's why that's why everybody remembers things. Member? Yeah. <laughs> Member Chewbacca? Member Chewbacca. <laughs> so, and I did watch that. You you made me <laughs> watch that one. I made you watch that one. Because I remember I was even fighting. I was like, I don't want to watch New South Park. And then you were like, just <laughs> no, you watch You have to Member because berries. I want to keep using this as a reference. And it is funny because that is such a big thing right now. Like it people, is. And especially in what I do for a living, like people are trying to remember the good old days, so they mm-hmm. buy video games and they buy old nostalgic stuff, and yeah, so that's that's a very very real thing. So I, that's my only worry about the game. It's not actually the game's fault, although I will say this release date of October seventeenth, I will one hundred percent absolutely believe it when it's in my hands. <laughs> I I do not trust Obsidian to hit release dates. Uh, the company that's making it, and well, they always actually, release buggy issues. The game was supposed to be out when? Like, technically it was last year. Then they said, like, what, February or March? And it then, kept getting pushed, but yeah. actually this article in Kotaku said that it's developed by Ubisoft's internet or internal San Francisco studio rather than Obsidian. So Obsidian oh. isn't even doing it. That's weird. I didn't realize that, they got, that, that got passed off. But I that didn't would make know sense. that either. That would make sense because Obsidian's got like a million other things going on. Well, I would rather have Obsidian do it because I thought they did a fantastic job. But I guess... I'd rather them pass it off to a studio that's not okay with all the bugs. Because well, however the internals work at Obsidian, they seem to be totally okay with 
like defective issues and bugs like whoever is in charge of their quality control is not as strict as other companies quality i guess i didn't really are you speaking in reference to the south park game or any game by obsidian many of obsidian's games but south park was a great example like remember how sometimes you walk and the game just freezes for like three seconds like it, it, it just like gets stuck like you walk into a new area and it straight up just freezes for three seconds like the ps3 version of stick of truth is pretty is like pretty buggy in my opinion i guess i i don't really notice that kind of stuff like i remember there being some like stuttering where yeah, I guess you would go to it. like you would go to a new panel or a new screen and then you would kind of like er, and then keep going yeah but it wasn't any longer than that to me i guess i guess i'm used to that like i don't consider that to be an issue because it's almost reminiscent of some of those earlier nintendo games yeah. where you would have that sort of not fractured but just a little you know your not mario fractured, would jump butthole <laughs> but any i think i think october 17th is when it's coming out i i'm going to buy it but i will not be able to play it for at least 11 days uh, more like 12 so i've got 12 days to beat it no so before no, when, when you no, when you're no, not watching dennis when you're not no, watching no, i can no, play no, it no 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 i think that we're gonna have way more things to worry about i feel i feel like no if i had to wait until we got back to, from japan to start playing persona 5 but you self-imposed that <laughs> that was not imposed by me that was self-imposed and i don't think it was a good idea i think there's gonna be way more things that you were gonna be worried about and focusing on and if Maybe. not i'm not giving you enough to do but sometimes <laughs> so, so, sometimes good stress relief is you know taking a couple hours out of your day release hmm. some stress play some games right right i'm getting the death stare okay so anyway that's that story <laughs> just want to talk about south park they finally have nailed on a release Yay. date uh, a lot of people once they play this game, they get why it's so awesome. But if you haven't played it yet, a lot of people might look at it and just think it's another licensed property game. It's absolutely not. It is a fantastic game. You have to play it. It's very well done. And actually, if you're on the fence whether or not to play Stick of Truth, wait until the game comes out because you get a free you get a free copy of Stick of Truth <laughs> with your purchase of the yeah. Fractured But Whole game. Yeah, and they're actually going to bring that out to like PS4 and Xbox One. So because Stick of Truth wasn't on those consoles so they must be doing like a digital version of them so that you can get it for free on that console of your choice i don't know like i saw that in the yeah. in the promo which i thought was actually probably a, i don't know if i th i don't know how i feel about them doing that because don't they want people to buy their game on a different i think like a different physical game or do you think it doesn't matter uh well i don't think they were going to release it physical anyway so i think this is their way of getting the the few fans that didn't buy the first one to play the first one maybe even before the second one but then also to kind of keep the game relevant because if they're gonna make it and put it on the store anyway they can give it to the people who pre-order the game and then there might be other people that see it and go oh yeah the new south park game i didn't pre-order it but i can buy the original one on my ps4 and then buy the new one on my ps4 so yeah i, I, think I it's didn't cool. think about that because stick of truth is on ps3 isn't it exactly yep, oh, yep exactly um so a couple summers ago we it was our first summer dating okay. and i went through one of the best oh. trilogy of games like games back to back to back in a long time i've ever played so i played batman arkham knight that was so fun to watch which was awesome to play and then i played witcher 3 oh. and then which took me a very long time and then i i rolled into metal gear 
Solid Five, which story being disappointing aside, the game was still really fun to play. It was it was a fun game. the The combat was cool. Yeah, it, it was fun to like do the con- like like the actual gameplay was fun, which is a complete departure for me from Metal Gear because I normally play those games for the story. And this was, I was only really playing it for the gameplay because the story was just not good. But seriously, though, Witcher had everything. But Witcher had everything. So I'm a big Witcher fan. Uh, And they just announced this week that Netflix is producing a Witcher TV series. Yes. Which is awesome. Um, So there's not a lot of details about it yet. I'm pretty excited because I think it'd be great. The only hiccup that a lot of people are are seeing initially or the one thing that people are, you know, because everyone has to find something to crap on. Of course. So the one thing that people have latched to crap on is uh, latched onto to crap onto (laughs) is is, uh, that it's not based off the games. It's going to be based off the books. Which which seems silly because the game's based off the books, right? Right. So the way it works, though, is the writer of the Witcher books sold all the video game rights away to CD Projekt Red a long time ago. So he doesn't make any more money at that. Like we did a story about that where he demanded his payment up front and he didn't think the game would be good. Fully admitted that he made a mistake. He's very salty about that (laughs) mistake because he'd be a couple million richer probably. I don't think he's salty about it. I think he, he realizes how, how dumb he was and he wishes he could do something different, but He's like, well, I signed the contract, so. Right. And I'm glad CD Projekt Red was able to get that money together to give him his bulk payment so that, <laughs> right. you know, so that he could get boned later. And uh, so the Netflix series, though, is he's he's given the rights to the Netflix series oh, to make a TV show off God. of his books. So obviously, you know, he had to sign off the rights, but he I don't know how involved he's going to be, if at all. I would assume probably not. I, um, I don't know. They might do kind of like Game of Thrones kind of thing. Sure, sure. Where they incorporate... Well, know, they brought him on later, though, didn't they? I don't... Th- I think he was involved from the very beginning, okay, George okay. R. R. Martin. I thought, like, it was a couple seasons. I No, that's what they do with The Walking Dead. Like, like Kirkman, who wrote The Walking Dead comic. Like, now he's, like, a writer on the show, and he used to just write the comics, and they just took his ideas and kind of warped them into a script. No, I think he... I think he actually wrote a lot of the... George R. R. Martin. Okay, cool. Well, so... Um, a lot of people are nervous about that, though, because The Witcher games created a really cool storyline and some things that weren't necessarily in the books. Mm-hmm. So people are going to watch this TV show and be like, well, who's that? Or this character is different from the game or this character is different from the game. When technically the TV show will probably be more accurate to the books than maybe the game might have been. Because people, the video games have blown up more. Pe- the reason this Netflix series is coming out in the U.S., I think, is because of the game here. I don't think if the game had sold very well that they would do this Netflix series here. Probably not. So a lot of the people watching it are going to be people that that liked the game, and they're going to have the game in their brain as a reference to the TV show as opposed to the books, which most people have not read. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for it to be like Game of Thrones, where you've got this adaptation that's, I just I see it going more like that because yeah. even in Game of Thrones I mean they did a really good job of explaining who the characters were and there's a huge cast of characters and the Witcher series is kind of like that where there's a lot of characters but I just think that people are smart enough to mm-hmm. know that there there's going to be some adjustments and tweaks to make it more like the novelization. I mean, it would be like, I mean, if you think about it in this way, it would be like if somebody created a Game of Thrones game 
that was an adaptation of the novel and then yeah. somebody at HBO was like this would be a really good series like I think that you're gonna get different people like you've got when Game of Thrones started the people that I knew and I had heard of it and read the books and I was excited so I told people about it but even people who had never even read the books heard about it and read it right. and now are obsessed with it. So and, I think yeah. there's potential there. And it is bringing it to a medium that a lot of people that may not play video games, a lot of people watching Netflix don't play video games. Right. So they may have heard about it and they'll watch it for the first time and be happy with it. Me as a fan, I might be disappointed if it doesn't match as much, like like the look of Geralt. Like if, if they make him look very different from how I'm used to seeing him in the game. Even though I think technically the game was probably pretty close, you'd like to think you know that they took their inspiration from the books too so right well i mean considering that they can do a lot of things with makeup but he's kind of he doesn't really have other than the scar he doesn't have too many distinguishing just like the gray hair because he's known as like the the white wolf right you know so i mean remember i I showed you that there was a cosplayer that that cosplayed as Geralt and he the joke was that there was two panels and he was holding a cup uh, from Starbucks and it said Gerald right on his cup and then you know <laughs> the panel like him holding it and then looking at it with disdain because they didn't get his name right he looked exactly like the video game character yeah. i think he's he's got a very i don't want to say it, like he's got kind of a indistinguishable face like his facial features aren't too pronounced he looks like a lot of actors with just a little bit of makeup Mm -hmm. could do that yeah i've just i've seen cosplay though like like the latest x-men movie like there was cosplay at a convention of apocalypse that looked made him look just like the 90s cartoon and just like the comic books yeah and then they do a movie and the movie he looks like a weenus i mean he just looks awful but that's that's direction from somebody else right with which, cosplay which like somebody who does cosplay and does it seriously like some people that we know look at every minuscule detail to replicate right. but it. that's my worry is that a tv show writer or movie writer won't care about that character looking exactly how he looked in something else and who knows maybe cd project red will have like rights to the likeness of that character like i'm just i'm a little nervous about that not saying it's going to be a problem i that's just what makes me a little nervous when i think when i hear stuff like this well i mean the thing is is that there are some concessions you have to make like when i watched game of thrones i was really mad because daenerys is supposed to have violet eyes and she doesn't Right, and which is such a detail that why couldn't they do that? I don't right? know. Like it's not it's not like it was, you know, Daenerys is a ten foot tall, you know, bald headed woman, and mm-hmm. they're like, well, that's not appealing to the people watching the show because, you know. Well, right, but I mean, it, but, it but seems this, like a yeah. minor detail, and I got over it. And I was like, well, she's supposed to have exactly. And I got over it. And I watch a lot of comic book movies. And so I always, I'm very used to giving up concessions. Well, you said except for like the Watchmen. The Watchmen was pretty accurate. Yeah, but even that, the endings completely changed. Whoa. They had to. Like obviously no spoiler, but like they had to for TV. I mean, they didn't have to, but they did. And it makes sense. I'm going to have to rewatch that with you to explain what's going on. Did you ever read it? No, but I've tried to watch the movie three times and I've either fallen asleep or gotten so bored that I did something else. Yeah, no, it's I, I love that movie, um, but it doesn't. It's not really an action movie. Like it they isn't. have one action sequence, a couple action sequences with Rorschach, um, but that's about it. But, but I just need somebody there who has 
knowledge of what's going on to explain it. Because when I was watching it, I was either watching it with people who also didn't know what was going on, Mm -hmm. but liked it anyway, or people that knew it that were like, shh. Well, and I remember, (laughs) I remember watching the trailer going, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I read The Watchmen and I watched the trailer again and I was like watching a different trailer. So you really do have to read it. And it's it's not that long of a read. You'll get through it. It's not, it's not that long. Okay. I mean, I, I would be willing to do that because I really liked, because it was a period piece, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like early that. early 80s period piece, I think, I early it. mid 80s. Really? No, it's very I good. It was, I'm, I'm thinking of something at the very beginning, though, that makes me think it was older than yes. that. Yeah, and that's actually what's interesting about Watchmen is that... That like, blue guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, Dr. Manhattan, so... Doesn't he, like, give people cancer? That's that's a plot in the movie and in the in the book, yeah. Oh. So the the idea is that the Watchmen you're seeing, like at modern day when mm-hmm. the movie starts, is years after uh, it, there was like a law passed that there were no no superheroes allowed. Okay. So the government kind of passed this thing saying that you couldn't have superheroes around. So when you look back to the old footage, that's when there was like the first ever superhero team, and so oh. a lot of those people. Like um, one of the characters talks to the original Night Owl. He's like the second Night Owl or he was. Oh. Know, so the original one wrote a book and then Dr. Manhattan was the only because Dr. Manhattan's the only real one with any actual like powers. Exactly. It's very it is strange. But, so... but if you have to read it, it's but but the idea. So anyway, just to not go on a huge tangent. <laughs> not but, go on a, on a Watchmen. Yeah. Rant. The idea is like in the 60s. I want to mm-hmm. say it was the 60s. There was like a superhero team. And then in somewhere in the 70s or early 80s, they got they got outlawed. So when the story picks up, they've essentially disbanded. And the, the story begins with one of the original Watchmen. Okay. The comedian gets murdered. But no one knows. I remember that part. Yeah, no one knows he's the comedian. He's just an old guy watching TV in his house who got murdered. But Rorschach knows who he was. He knew his secret identity. So he oh. thinks people... So Rorschach goes on this mission trying to figure out what's going on because he thinks people are murdering superheroes from the old days. That That's what the movie is about? That's what the movie... That's how it starts, yeah. I see. That sounds really interesting. It's really interesting. It's <laughs> very like, interesting. Can we go watch it right now? <laughs> yeah, like maybe we will watch it. You got to read it first. But I, I, I love that movie. And just on a side note, the voice actor of Solid Snake... Uh, David Hayter, he adapted that script to the movie. He helped write it. That's different so. from David Spader. Is there a David Spader? There's David Spade. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. David Hayter. <laughs> and then there's a James Spader. And then there's Bill Hayter. And there's Bill Hayter. Oh, geez. You think they're all related? No, because none of those names are the same. Hayter. <laughs> you're you're being a hater. You're <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I think I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I would love, 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 love to know who's going to play Geralt who's going to play some of those heavy hitting characters mm-hmm. where it's going to start. Maybe it, maybe it does, you know, give you way more background. Like maybe it goes all the way back. Well, it would have to go all the way back it, to the first Witcher game or the first Witcher book. Well, and the thing about the Witcher is they actually have a very good story buried underneath with like this kind of, with the political climate that's going on in the mm-hmm. world. So Geralt is a Witcher and he's a monster hunter essentially, but he's not loyal to any particular Right, he's throne. kind of a uh, mercenary. Kind of, yeah. And so he's his job is basically go to town to town, help them with their problems, get paid, get tipped, and just make the world rid the world of monsters. But here's something also to think about. We're thinking of the U.S. market when we think, oh, maybe it won't do as well. But you know, this this guy, this author who wrote the Witcher series, is like the token of 
Poland. Right. So yes, I yes. think even if it doesn't do well, I still think it'll do well in the U.S. market just based on how people know about Witcher and Witcher 3 being such yeah. a great game and everything. It's going to kill in other markets That's who true. actually know the, the storyline and will probably be very pleased. Just like when Game of Thrones came out, the people who had read Martin's work over the years since like the mid-90s to present day were pumped when they found out mm-hmm. that they were making an adaptation. So I think, you know, it might it might do well not in the US, but I still think I still think people will be I I'm people really like this sort of yeah, plot. The, the other the other worry that people have is that it's going to be too low budget to be able to do any good CG for good CG monsters and stuff like that. Well, Which, again, in the books, I guess there's a lot less monsters mm-hmm. than there are in the game. Like, the game really ramped that up, I, I sure, apparently. Sure, to make it, you know, yeah, a game. To make it a game, yeah. Uh, but that is a complaint. And I guess I'm kind of on board with that complaint. But I think, you, like you said, Game of Thrones' first season didn't have much CG, if any, at all. No. It was all practical type effects and, and everything a- was really good. There's an element of magic in in the game or I'm not in the game, in the books themselves, but it's not it's not overt. It's not like you're playing a yeah. video game kind of thing. It's this thread kind of weaved into or woven into the to the storyline. And we're just getting to like that part. But even the stuff that we're going to see in Game of Thrones in the next two seasons when they finally end the series, that stuff is still unknown even to the mass market because he hasn't written those books yet. Right. <laughs> Much to everyone's chagrin. And if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, highly recommend it. I would recommend the books. The books are very good they're very well written there is a ton of characters you do not see um but what i love about the game of thrones series is that it's the first novel series that i've read where you actually do fear for your favorite characters right which was by design right right i think martin even said that like he he wanted to make people really care and care about what happens because in so many the sort of truth series is what comes to mind where it's like no matter what hijinks those crazy kids get into they always make it at the end of the day but with game of thrones you don't get that sense of well it'll be okay it'll be fine right you almost start to know that one of your favorite characters is gonna die (laughs) like like you you almost start start to just know it's like well i like this guy but he bites it but it's just like when I was reading the first book and I mean, hopefully, well, I won't use any names, but there's a character where you're thinking, well, you know, he, he he's like, die. he can't die. He's like the main guy. Like he's, he's not going to die. And then, you know, they bring him up to the, you know, the, the chopping block essentially. And you're like, yep. he'll be fine. He'll be somebody, fine. Will, somebody will come and save him. Right. This is, this is the point of the <laughs> show where like the last minute crew comes in yeah, and saves them there's like oh here comes the you know the the guys on horseback with their axes and they're gonna chop everybody down and, and save him right that's, that's gonna happen right what's yeah so something's but and then <laughs> and then and then you realize and the head rolls. oh crap all bets are off in this in this universe in this world and you really do you you yeah. feel like nobody is safe and that's how you're supposed to feel when you're reading a book but if somebody always comes in at the last minute and saves the day 
or something's too coincidental, you have to roll your eyes and go, oh, yeah, well, okay, I guess that would work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but Witcher TV show. I'm down. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'm gonna be. I'll be there for the premiere. I'll watch it. Plus, who doesn't have Netflix? <laughs> Might as well just watch it. It's gonna be in free if you already have Netflix. That's true. Might as well just watch it. It's so funny. I, I wanted to recently rewatch Doctor Who, which I watched for several years, and then kind of something happened where I didn't have access to it uh, to the new stuff because I didn't have BBC mm-hmm. America or wherever it's on, and so I haven't watched it for a good five plus years, and mm-hmm. I forgot how much. I really liked it. I really wanted to like... Well, okay, so I've never watched it. Let me just throw that out there. Okay, don't give me that look, okay? No, it's the, fair for people not CG, to have watched it. The CG's terrible. Okay, I don't care about effects because I've watched stuff like Farscape and I've watched like Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about CG necessarily. But I was at a Comic-Con and Adam and I were walking around. And first of all, everyone who has no money dresses up as Doctor Who <laughs> for <a> conventions, <laughs> which is fine, not dogging on low-cost cosplay. But everyone dressed up with that. And then there were two two kids like <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to do it here they're going like woo oh and with they're their like, sonic, their screwdrivers. sonic screwdrivers they were like waggling in each other's faces going like and me and adam just looked at him and i'm like i can't i can't watch this show i will tell you i love doctor who i don't like doctor who fans so it's kind of like how you like listening to insane clown posse you just don't like juggalos you right you jerk i don't like icp <laughs> thanks thanks for making me look like a juggalo a juggle juggalette a duh ju- uh, a juggalette okay cool so anyway i'm not going down the icp route but yeah so what's your tv show go watch it hey um, what was the name of your first cat i don't remember yes you do uh, i don't I had two cats. So which oh, one would really? you like to know? Uh, well, both of them. Tell us their names. The Greg. fat one or the skinny one? The fat one. The fat one's name was Violent J. <laughs> it was the skinny one. Shaggy too dope. <laughs> <laughs> I now was a, who's the juggalo? I, I was a child. <laughs> I was I a child. Nothing. I actually on my drum set, which is in the garage. Mm-hmm. I have ICP stickers on the drums, which makes no sense because they don't use traditional instruments like that. So it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, not going to go into ICP, like I said. But do you remember back in the late 90s, you must have played this game, Arc Symphony. It sounds familiar. It sounds sounds like an old PS1 RPG. <laughs> <laughs> A classic JRPG, in fact. But So classic. Uh, so classic. It didn't actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to talk about this story because I just think it was very cleverly done. And unfortunately, people will try to do this again and it just won't have the same sort of impact. But two developer, two game developers, Sophia Park and Penelope Evans, gave out jewel cases at conventions and to their friends of this very well done uh well, very well designed, classic throwback original PlayStation video game called Arc Symphony. So it was just like an empty jewel case. It was empty jewel mm-hmm. case for this for this video game that didn't actually exist. So they brought it to the Toronto Comics Arts Festival, and people who heard the story of what they were trying to do wanted to get on the. F- get in on the fun so on twitter and so they wanted to basically help spread yes this idea okay about this nostalgic game 
that didn't actually exist to see what would happen. Okay, so a social experiment. A social experiment, okay. exactly. So people would come get the jewel case and say, oh, I remember this, but I didn't really dig too much into it. Or some people were like, oh, I, I think I played this at a friend's place. And super surreal for these game developers. And if you look at the case, uh, this article was actually on Kotaku last week. The case is brilliantly done. It's so reminiscent of the JRPG style from that time. Well, and here's what's funny about this. So the name was very well thought of if they pointed yes. out because there was a game on PS1 called Ark the Lad. Mm. And then there was a Tales of Symphonia for GameCube. That's true. I played that's yeah. one of my favorite RPGs. Excellent RPG. So like Ark of arc of symphony is that yes arc, that that's, arc symphony arc symphony that that's like two words you'd go oh yeah i, th- I remember hearing about a game like that arc something <laughs> for ps1 you know what i mean so actually if that's how if, if that's what they were thinking when they did it very very well done so here's here's the trick so they've got this arc symphony jewel case they give them to a bunch of people tell them about the social experiment people want in on the fun so they go on twitter and social media sites about Wow, I picked up this classic game. Oh, I've been looking for this forever. And blah, 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 so on and so forth. So your initial reaction when you see some of the people that you're familiar with that are kind of higher up in the game stratosphere posting about this game, you've never heard of it. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like offensive to you. (laughs) So what do you do? What's the first thing you do? You Google it. You Google it. Yeah, Google it. Exactly. So here's what happens. If you Google Arts, Arc Symphony, you actually end up at a Neo Cities. Not Geo Cities. Not Geo Cities. Neo Cities. And if anyone doesn't remember, Geo Cities was like it, Angel Fire and Geo Cities were what we, when we were kids, made websites on. They were like yes. the first ever like free hosting websites. So it was whatever.geocities.com was always your site if you want to have your own website back in the day. So mm-hmm. then this one's at neocities.com. Right. So it's a NeoCities fan site for the game Arc Symphony. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. Okay, I keep saying that because I can't, like, that's the whole <laughs> point of this, is that this game does not exist. Now, if you go to this fan site, it is stereotypical, very well done, of a 1997, 1998 fan site. There's links, there's pictures, there's very pixelated pictures on there. And it's it's so well done. I was fooled. I look at it and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this website still exists. Who's maintaining this? But here's where the fun begins. That is where the game actually begins. Because part of that website is an IRC is an IRC. Mm -hmm. Which I can't remember what that stands for. Internet relay chat i think something like that real time chat like a bulletin board but real time so like a chat before chat rooms were it, chat it, it was rooms. basically early chat rooms Just, yeah yeah yep, yep. so here's here's what's funny the the game itself is not arc symphony it's this website where people talk about arc symphony and it uses an open source tool called twine which is interactive non-linear stories which we had to look up yeah i had never heard of it before which i haven't either which is kind of surprising in this industry i don't often run into things i've never heard of before like arc symphony (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> but but I, I didn't know what it was. We had to look it up. So Arc Symphony is a game about how fandom actually works. And it takes place on this board for this non-existent game. And this is from the Kotaku article I'm going to quote. After taking a brief personality quiz, you jump into the mix, playing the part of a poster. Just like their marketing felt so accurate that you could believe Arc Symphony was real, the cast of characters you talk to in the game does as well. Mm -hmm. So there's different cast of characters. Like there's a couple that bought different phone lines so they could chat on IRC at the same time and there's a newbie on there there's like the kind of crabby person that's one of the moderators um, a professor that insists you call him by his username all of that <laughs> so that's the actual game yeah so it's one of these like almost like a almost like an arg you know where it's like this real world crossover kind of game and so you're playing it on a website and it's it's built into the website. You don't download anything, and it's you're not playing with anybody else. It's not even really a game. It's this kind of interactive experience, I guess, interactive storytelling, mm -hmm. and it's really kind of neat. And what they did though is they took it one step further, and they said, "Let's make like physical props, right, to help spread awareness of this." Like they didn't they didn't go out there and just say, "Hey, we have this really cool game that simulates what it's like to be an old IRC user based on a fan page." They made the game marketing stuff. So that people would find it through that. And exactly. it's just a neat way of kind of attacking it. And I mean, I don't miss having dial-up. I don't miss BBS. I I don't miss mailing lists. But there's a, there's a small part of me that that does. And so when I looked at that and when you boot up that that IRC, you hear the... So you hear yeah. that old dial-up, and that's exactly <laughs> what Park, one of the developers, said. You know, I don't miss it, but part of me does. Mm -hmm. And she hand-coded the website, used the graphic design that she learned on different forums. And she wasn't ever into fan fiction, but if you dig far enough, you'll find fan fiction, and it is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it as, is as, not as good. It most, as it usually is. <laughs> Uh, but that's really neat. And I, I think it's really interesting that a lot of people would hear that and go, I think I've heard of that game. Mm -hmm. So it was a neat social experiment also in regards to where people didn't realize it was false. And I think we could take this to a larger scale and say that's happening a lot lately with how accessible news is on Facebook and stuff and how you all this stuff comes through your feed and you read it and it's like, oh, it's from a website called, you know, news, newspeople.com or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, it's the news. So it must be true, right? I mean, that's just kind of like we have that natural assumption, which now obviously we have to be more intelligent than that because news as it has become entertainment and the way advertising works online with having to get clicks and having to get views to make money on advertising, people will say whatever they want to get you to click or view their content. But not only that, but you've got to take it almost a step more internal and it's not wanting to appear like you don't know what you're talking right. about when you're expected to know everything because information is so accessible the fact that you don't know and actually there's a there's a top comment on this article that says uh, some people are in on the joke others don't want to appear foolish or uncool and are just lying and say they vaguely remember it and some honestly can't remember what they have and haven't played but this is where i wanted to talk about this i experienced something similar a few years ago when a friend of mine proposed a group of people all cosplay as characters from a made-up anime 
walking around the convention floor, people would ask us who we were supposed to be and would give a vague, I think I've seen that Mm -hmm. when you gave them the name. So it's this, I don't know what it is, but it's, I... I know what it's like to just kind of go along and just be like, oh, really? Ha, ha, right. Ha, well, ha. someone's telling you a story or something and they're like, oh, yeah. So, uh, it, it, you know, you, well, you've been there, right? You've been down to that restaurant on the corner. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep going the story. Like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if I've been there or not to the story. But they're trying to just explain something, but they ask you a question. I don't know if it's like a technique to keep to make sure you're listening, but they'll say that. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Like, just keep going. Because if you say no, it goes, oh. Well, let me tell you about that restaurant in the corner. It's like, nah, let's get to the story. Like, just, just finish the story. Well, but here's the <laughs> thing that I've learned. I not necessarily haven't gotten burned, but it's come back to bite me. Because if I say yes to one of those things, then that person will make a reference to it and then I won't get it. And then I look even more stupid. So I've learned not to even start down that path. So if somebody's like, well, you've seen Yuri on ice, right? No, I haven't. I know what it is. I know it's about, right. it's an anime with some figure skating person named Yuri. And I don't know because Yuri can be a boy or a girl's name. So I'm going to make the assumption that's probably a boy because male anime characters are much more interesting. But I'm not going to be like, yeah, I've totally, well, I love that. Because then they'll be like, oh, don't you love that episode? Blah, 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 blah. Well, a lot of the times I think it depends on the context of the conversation. Like if you have a lot of shallow conversations, you're just like, yeah, yeah, just to agree to get going with the conversation. But if it's somebody you're really close to, you typically won't do that though. Like you won't, you won't, I wouldn't lie to you if you said, hey, have you seen, you know, the newest South Park? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, really? What was your favorite part? I'm like, "Uh, I didn't watch it. Well, I'm not going to do that to you. But I, I might do that to somebody like if I'm it's an old friend I haven't talked to in like 10 years. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, remember that band we used to watch in high school? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't otherwise you say no. And they're like, oh, don't. And then they keep going on about it. And you're like, I don't want to continue this conversation. Oh, like I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I was agreeing with you to get out of this conversation, not get dragged further into it. But I just think for me, it just it seems almost easier to just be upfront with people. Because if you don't remember or you don't know, it, it just it saves you a lot of headache later. And I've watched my share of sitcoms where that comes back to bite you because then people just make an assumption where it's like, mm-hmm. you took that CPR class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. This person's having a heart attack. You said you took CPR. So we, we need you over here. It's like, uh, I lied. Mrs. Doubtfire is a perfect example. <laughs> exactly and that happens too like a little lie blows up into something bigger it does and you know what i would much rather this is what i tell people i have a poor enough memory like my memory is bad i can hardly remember what i did yesterday it's just i have a hard time remembering things so why would i lie and try to keep track of all of that stuff. <laughs> when if I just tell the truth, the fact that I've never seen Yuri on ice today will still be true tomorrow. Yeah, it just saves you the headache of... <laughs> trying to remember yeah, all of my lies. Much. <laughs> I don't know. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> it was fun. We, we played the, the game a little bit. You know, we went through... We were having some issues on it. Like in our browser, not all the text was popping yeah, up all the time. Yeah, uh, it was But it was fun. Like it was, it was like an, in, it was like a, an interactive experience like going back to the old days of like web browsing and and fandom back then even though i'll admit when i was playing ps1 i didn't have like i wasn't playing a lot of computer at that point like for me i wasn't a really big part of like irc but like or doing that i was 
my main chat rooms were AOL chat rooms and then, which was essentially after that sort of stuff, but AOL chat rooms and then like Battle.net, like the original Diablo sure. uh, or Diablo, uh, the original StarCraft. When we first got our first computer, my brother was always on bulletin boards. I was mostly in chat rooms. Yeah, I was never like a, a, a I've never been a forum going guy, actually. Like I've never been like part of forums, even when, when I ran that rating guild in WoW for that many years, like we had a forum. And I would go there to like post topics and stuff. But even that, like I never really, it was never like a part of of internet for me. Yeah, it was never part of my internet, which I guess I'm kind of glad because it's, it's hard to maintain, but chat rooms of course were like magical at the time. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, so, you know, speaking of magical, when you think of retro companies, Mm -hmm. you think of these great, you know, these big names like Nintendo, you think of Sega, Sega. you think of Capcom, you think of all those guys. Well, uh, this week... Uh, earlier there was uh, some stories were breaking about how sega is planning a revival of major ips as a new business plan what so people were like freaking out about this and i'm actually going to take this on a whole different angle than people think so people you know so you hear this article and you say oh that, that's amazing i mean Sega's going to bring back old you know major ips as a new business plan so uh on the article they actually have a link to the official thing so it's a big powerpoint it's a powerpoint <laughs> it's a powerpoint program Called The Road to 2020 by Sega Sammy Holdings, which is Sega. They merged with Sammy a couple years ago. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's probably the most boring corporate. There's a lot of, you know what's <laughs> funny though? When we were on our flight back from Japan, there was a guy that was sitting across the aisle from me. And he was working on a very boring looking powerpoint yeah. <laughs> um, i don't know it looks yeah. kind of like this <laughs> and and so it's got like all these charts it's just page after page of like uh we're gonna have a structure reform and profit is on a recovery trend like everything boring you could imagine a powerpoint to be even though it's about video games and video game companies is still boring as all hell this and actually it, looks really similar to what that guy was yeah, working maybe, on maybe, well, that'd be awesome if it was that guy <laughs> i should have talked to him um so it's like oh hey what's the you know it's like what is the vision what's our mission our mission is continue to create moving experiences like it's just really crappy so anyway you go deep 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 in this stupid thing and you get further down and like there was one line that just says something like, let's see if I can even find it here again. But it just says something like ex- um, major issue, creating titles that will become global hits. This is part of their business strategies. What page whatever. is that? Um, 22. Okay. And uh, of this PDF, <laughs> of this stupid, stupid I'm, PowerPoint. No, but here, I'm just going to say that I'm really surprised that they posted this where people could get it. Yeah, I guess. It seems like proprietary information. It's their game plan. It's super generic, though. Like, mm. this is basically what everybody has. I mean, it's it's pretty awful. Like, this is something I would make. Like, if they called me and said, hey, can you get them up with a business plan for Sega? Like, this is literally what I would make. There's <laughs> like, I mean, I just, because I don't have any insider information, I mean. So it says, uh, expand utilized IPs. So uh, there's a four points it says revival ips existing ips new ips and external ips that seems like everything everything yeah they're like hey you know what we should do we should expand upon everything that makes us money (laughs) duh like this is this is frustrating to me because like this got picked up by a bunch of blogs and they're like oh sega's bringing back sega's bringing back and all these people are are like oh my god what are they gonna bring back uh comic zone you know they're gonna bring back like these they're picking these stupid obscure titles from way back in the day um, and what I don't understand is one, like if they're going to bring back something from their old library, it's certainly not going to be something that was low key like that. And if, and secondly, Sega has been doing this forever. Sega True. games, 
are not typically worth as much money as Super Nintendo games because Sega, for the most part, well, one, it wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't as popular, but for people who bought it in collectible speaking, it, it wasn't like it was a different type of gamer. Um, but they've been doing re-releases forever. The PS2 had a Sega Genesis collection. The PS3 has Sonic's Genesis collection, where it's just a bunch of old Sega games. On the Genesis itself, they had a six-in-one cart, where there were six Genesis games on one. Mm -hmm. So, like, Sega's been doing this forever. They always make, like, collections and and packs of their games, and then they re-release them. So, so reviving IPs... I don't, I don't know what that means. If all that means is that they're going to do a PC version of like Sonic or an iPhone version of Sonic 1, 2, which I think they've already done, then it's like, what other IPs are you going to revive to make money? And then they're going to expand existing IPs. Okay. They're going to make new games. Okay. Like who didn't think they were going to, like, I think the whole point of me sharing this. It seems kind of duh. Yeah. Like the whole point of me sharing this was this is all just one big, like, well, duh. I don't understand, like. There's nothing new here, and people are picking it up, and like it's turning into this big thing where they're like, "What can we, what can we grab from this?" And I'm just reading it like it's nothing new at all. And yeah, so in this, they don't even talk about any any particular game. It's just like you said, it's very generic. I right. mean, they have two slides that talk about just pachinko machines, right? So. <laughs> which, which is painful to read, but it's true. And so like, like I'm reading one of the, one of the ones and I'm just picking out one, but they all did this, but I'm picking out one. So I'm picking on destructoids articles. So Chris Carter, and he's like a main contributor there, you know, whatever, but it's like what IPs they're actually reintroducing is anyone's guess, but it's crazy to think of how many classic now defunct series that they've worked on. I mean, you have columns, comic zone, vector man, streets of rage, knights, burning Rangers and guardian heroes. I've literally heard of none of those. Like, I mean, Streets of Rage is huge. They're doing the TV series, remember, or the media. Remember, we we covered that story a couple months ago. Like Sega was like Streets of Rage was getting adapted to some other form of like Sega had a few other IPs get sold off to like was it called media companies? Else? No, it was Streets of Rage. I don't remember. Um, there was another one too. I'm just blanking out whatever the other one was. Um, Vector Man. They had two games in the Genesis, and then the series died. Comic Zone had one game, which is really fun. I have it in my collection over here. What? Um, but it's not anything. You know, it's it's just a game. Knights was on saturn i <laughs> burning rangers is like super obscure and guardian heroes is also obscure it just got re-released on like psn and xbox live last generation so i guess again not saying that this isn't gonna happen i'm just saying and like the cover of the article is like every cool genesis game <laughs> like it just like i'm looking at the header for the article and it's just a bunch of genesis games and first of all sega has a whole bunch of library and and you could i mean you could argue they're gonna bring super monkey ball back you could argue they're gonna bring i don't know there's a million things well it's just I, what i think is that you know he wrote this hoping somebody at sega would read it <laughs> maybe i just it, it <laughs> like goes, oh this mr carter thinks that we should have these games <laughs> this is like the definition of reading too much into something almost oh, definitely I, I mean looking at the looking at this powerpoint presentation i mean it's it's like you said, it's every every PowerPoint presentation for an industry. And like like I said, this looks eerily similar to what that guy across the <laughs> aisle was working on. But I could be just misremembering and just being like, oh, yeah, that's totally a thing. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I will say that stood out that I actually was, was cool and not a single one of the articles touched on which is irritating to me because this is the real news out of this. So one of the points that says major points, 
digital the digital game field we want to create titles that will become global hits we've heard that a hundred times in this powerpoint already right. um but they have pictures of four things so one of them's um puyo puyo quest which is awesome but one of them kind of in the lower right corner on page 24 is fantasy star online 2 so fantasy star online 2 is not out in the united states it's in japan it's like an mmo it's a sequel to fantasy star online it's really awesome they have an asian version which is completely translated to english already and there's no U.S. release for it. So I'm hoping then that this major point shows that they are still looking at that game as a revenue provider and they're going to bring it to the United States. It's already translated. It would take almost like no effort whatsoever. So really when I look at this whole thing, the only real big story here is that they might bring Fantasy Star Online 2 to the U.S. But again, there's no proof. So I guess it's, maybe that's why they didn't cover it. But at least it's something you could look at and say it's possible. Yeah, I'm just I'm reading this just thinking wow, it just it just seems like everything that you would want to do if you owned a, a video game company. Yeah, like you know, do yeah. the whole amu- they call amusement machine feel. Well, they want to get into I don't I can't tell if this is made already or if it's something they want to get in, but there's something called Paradise City which is like it's a bus- it's the that. business strategy. So like it looks like they're trying to build their own resort. Like they're gonna have a Sega. Which which when we were in Japan, there was um like that uh Joypolis was a Sega. Oh, this looks arcade. new though. So this looks new. So maybe so in, in Japan, Sega's building like another like a Sega resort, like a video game sort of thing. Um, a three minute drive from Incheon International yeah. Airport. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. Those are the only real, I mean, this whole thing's really boring. Like if you, imagine how awesome video games are and then imagine the most boring business thing you do and just smash them together. No, I think that this is, well, I'm looking at this timeline they have on page 30 where it's, uh, no, they started construction of Paradise City in 2014, South Korea's first integrated resort facility. Mm, okay. Well, and like later on, they talk about major initiatives for the Sega side and it's hold a Sega festival in Akihabara. That'd be awesome. No Have way. a Sega festival. I'll, I'll, cool. I'll go back to that. Um, they're talking about going to the Tokyo Game Show, going to the Japan Amusement Expo and Anime Japan 2017, all that sort of stuff. And then the rest is like, continue to position. <laughs> I love stuff like this. Continue to position return of profits to shareholders through stable dividends as a basic policy. Yeah, that's basically saying that we're going to do things so that our company makes money so our shareholders don't sell and our company doesn't plummet in value. Could you imagine a Sega festival at Akihabara? on a sunday when they close all the streets down oh. could you imagine like a big sega parade sonic ice cream as far as the eye can oh my see. goodness that whole thing just sounds great oh. but um yeah so i don't know i mean it, the, the story there i guess is that Sega's looking to their past for future profits but the it doesn't story seem to be like the major <laughs> point it just seems like again like any any company that had this sort of breadth of in their catalog would do it's like nostalgia is really big anybody who's in any company can tell you, you that you could swap out sega for nintendo in every line of that powerpoint and it'd be the exact same powerpoint and it'd right. be the exact it'd be like the exact same thing like we're gonna take we're gonna make new games we're gonna expand upon our current games and we're gonna bring back old games well duh that's what you do to make money i mean and that's what they've been doing it's not anything new so i don't know anyway let's let's move on because it's who cares it's stupid but that was that was more the story i want to talk about was this isn't even a story like it got picked up by a bunch of blogs and every time i read it i was like oh this and and the headline got me too and i was like oh cool what are they bringing back and then it leads back to a powerpoint presentation that just says they're bringing back old ips Eh, that's a (laughs) non-story so that was just my rant of the day that's just whatever 
Well, once again, I mean, it, it's like there, there's a, I, I want to make an office reference where they do the Dunder Mifflin run for the cure for rabies and so on. It's like the start of season, f- I forget, season four, <laughs> okay. maybe season four, but it's uh they have this run and Jim asks Pam, you know, what's your strategy? She's like, well, I'm going to start fast. In the middle, I'm going to go fast. At the end, I'm going to end fast. <laughs> and he's like, why doesn't everybody do that? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> just a pretty good strategy. It's very, it's very, like, it's a very typical strategy, what I would have expected. But, you know, again, we may be seeing the whole PowerPoint and we may not be. There could be more to this that we're just not seeing because they're going to do breakout sessions and talk about each of these in greater detail. This was more the here's the thing everybody's going to hear and now let's actually get to work. But they're not going to share that kind of stuff because that is more strategy, whereas this is more, okay, we already knew that they were building a resort. Well, most people and, And like, especially when it comes to the video game world, like it's all about reveals. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're not going to tell us which IPs are going to... Because they want to do reveals. They want to do events. So, yeah, just it was just a generic PowerPoint, you know. It is what it is. Did you know Netflix is doing their own anime? Uh, What is it? It's called Blame! Exclamation point. I think I did hear about that. And there's, I was reading some article about how it was, like, teased in another anime or something. Yeah, that but, came out yesterday. It's, uh, it's a full-length anime film. It's actually on Netflix right now, but if you're a fan of Netflix's series Knights of Sidonia, you probably already know hmm. about it. I have not seen either. Neither have I, but I just saw that article on the side and I was like, ooh, that's relevant. Cool. Um, and so finally, our story, our main story of the week main story. is really important to some people. Well, not so much to you or to me, <laughs> but... But, uh, but we couldn't overlook it because it's a big deal. No, but... Uh, Destiny 2. It's about the, Destiny 2. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago they announced that Destiny 2 was coming. But this week they had the actual gameplay reveal. They showed gameplay footage. They talked a lot of details. So we actually know a lot about it. Now my introduction to Destiny, I would say not a positive one. Mm-hmm. I, I My friend Adam and I started playing it. We looked at it as a co-op shooter. We got in. We started playing together. It was fine. We did a bunch of missions together. I think we played a total of like 12 hours. And it was pretty, it was cool. You know, I was like, this is fun. And then uh, one of the missions near the end, you fight like this really long legged, tall robotic thing. And we killed that. I was like, that was cool. And then we get to essentially what's the last mission of the game. And the last mission of the game was to fight three of those guys. Ooh. I was like, oh, what what kind of end boss is this? Now, later, or to be fair, there were like the um, the raids or whatever you could do. So there were like instances you could go into and fight bosses and all sorts of stuff. Original Destiny was about as bland of a game as you could get. I'm sorry it was. And I don't think anybody who's played Destiny, even people who love Destiny to death, are going to argue with me that the original Destiny was just a bland, boring piece of crap. Well, I mean, considering this article, which is called Destiny 2, What We Know, it was written by Samet Sarkar. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Polygon typically, but I I like what they did here because they compiled all the info for us so we could be lazy and not have to go out and get it all. Because they did an hour-long live stream, Bungie, uh, uh, this past Thursday, seven weeks after officially announcing it with the CG trailer. So they provided all this information, and what Polygon did was they watched it and then did 
a recap of what they learned during that live stream and probably from other mm -hmm. sources. But just reading that makes me think, wow, was the first one even that good? <laughs> well, so, yeah, so so the first one, that that's my opinion on the first one. And that's all I played of it. And a lot of people go, oh, dude, that first expansion, though, man, it changed everything. They added story. Yeah. They did all the stuff. They made the game better. And I go, oh, that's really cool. Do I get it for free? Because no. I already plunked $60 down on this turd. So do I get uh, do I get this? Oh, it's forty dollars. Yeah, that to me seemed a little shady. Oh, forty dollars for an expansion pack, so that you can finally give me the game that I was originally promised in the beginning. Hmm, that's a tough one. Am I gonna buy that no. DLC? No. It does seem Forget like a that. lot of money if you've already, like you said, spent sixty dollars for the game. Yep. But there, I think what they did is they learned from their mistakes. And they learned why they needed to have the DLC for the first one. Well, and that's why I wanted to cover this first. Because a lot of the points of what we know is fixing a lot of these problems I have. Right. So that's why I want to get this all out of the way. Because I want people to know, like, I'm not just dumping on Destiny as a series. I'm dumping on the first game as it shipped. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that Bungie wanted to release that game that way when it shipped. I, I think they wanted, like, another year. And Activision was like, nope, you got to release it now. Because sure. we got to get this game out. We've plunked. You've had all these years to do it. We've plunked all this time and money into it. Um, but there was also this really weird thing where it was like the composer for Bungie who worked on all the Halo games. He was fired in this really weird way from Bungie around the release of Destiny. Like in the back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> yes. Very nice. <laughs> nice reference. Um, but no, it was really strange. And like he ended up getting like compensation for a stock option or something really weird. But then there was this other story that came out that said something like he was responsible for writing either a lot of the dialogue or some of the story. The composer? The composer. So then when he got fired, they had to change all this stuff, which oh, resulted weird. in almost like the story being completely upended and hmm. having to be essentially rewritten. So I don't know if like the composer went in and demanded more money or he said he had intellectual rights to the story. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like I'd have to look into the story again because that was years and years ago. But it was something like that. So that could be a reason why the story was so bland in the beginning. Like maybe six months before the game came out, they had to push the reset button on the story. And it was really generic and crappy. I don't know. Honestly, don't care. Because something that Destiny does, which is just like Halo does, which I really, really hate, is they build up a ton of amazing lore mm -hmm. outside of the game. Right. And and it's okay if you want to expand upon the lore. Like if the lore existed and you could get to it in game and then you can just learn more about it in other media, I'm okay with it. World of Warcraft does that very well. The Warcraft universe has done that. Very I was well. just going to say Warcraft does that very very well. But then you've got like this, like there's key points in Halo that you don't understand. Like people are like, "Oh man, if you just read this book, it explains everything." I'm like, uh, "I don't want to read a book." Why do I have to read a book? Why do I have to read a book? <laughs> I just want to play the game. I hate reading books. I like, re I like playing games. That's simple. So anyway, so that's my complaint with the first Destiny. I don't play it. I played it for a little bit in the beginning. I think the game's really overrated, but I understand that the people that like it really love what they've done with the game since it came out. Okay, moving on. Moving on. This is what this hour-long live stream kind of distilled down into these main points. They said, first and foremost, the story will be more cinematic. Which is, obviously, that was like my first complaint, is that it was right. really dull and that there was no boss or story. So that's excellent. I love to hear that. They also said there will be four planets. So that's four different settings for the action that you can travel to. So I hate to keep bringing up the original game, but I wanted to just contrast to this article because I want to talk about my experience. So in, in Destiny originally, you would go to these different 
quote unquote planets. So one was like the moon and you go to these different areas. And then what they would do is they would give you like a generic mission in this, in that area, you'd go do it and you're done. Then you'd come back and it's like, Oh, you have another mission on the moon. You go back to that exact same area, except it's like, you might be in a different place in mm-hmm. like, say like the map is four squares side by, you know, side by side. And you have one, two, three, four in the first one, you start on square number one and move to the right. And in this mission, you start at square number four and move to the left. Oh. And so like, it's the same level though. It's just like, they're just, po- so it was really just generic. I, people would call it vanilla, but I'm not even going to say that. Like it's, it's, it's generic. Like that's what it was. So anyway, sorry, go ahead. So they're going to have four planets again. So they said, but there will be a lot more to do on those worlds. So they say something very similar to what you said. Uh, quote, its expansions felt like sterile locations for players to repeat the same monotonous activities. Yep. But they're saying that they'll be augmented with additional features when you have to go back to those planets or those areas yeah. as opposed to it being the same. Uh, so they'll um, try to keep things kind of feeling the same, but different ways to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to accomplish those things. There's going to be no more returning to orbit. Yeah, so th- you you haven't played it, so you may not get what's so bad about mm-hmm. this. But so here it is. So you do a mission, like you, you're on you're in orbit, and you pick what mission you want to do. Send you to a load screen, which is very long, and you load and you load up the planet, and then you play your mission. Say you have another mission, like nearby. Mm-hmm. You have to go back to orbit, have a long loading screen. <laughs> you go back to the 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 citadel or whatever. I don't remember what it's called. The Crucible. I don't know. It's not what it's called. I don't remember what it's called. Who cares? And then you're up there and then you have to pick that mission again. And then you have to load again to go to that place. So it's like load back to main menu, then load back to mission, load, 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 lots of loads, lots of loads. So they say, of course, you'd have to wait through what amounted to loading screens during each transition. And in other words, for every 30 hours you spent playing Destiny, you might have spent an hour traveling to and from orbit. And that was just their kind of Mm -hmm. educated guess. But... They're saying that won't be the case in Destiny 2, and it's possible to travel directly from planets without jumping into orbit first. So, hooray! All right. No new classes, and three subclasses are being replaced. So, they're not even adding subclasses. They're just replacing old classes with, like, a better version. of. And they're they're doing kind of like what Blizzard does with, with WoW. Like they'll redo their talent trees and their talent. Mm-hmm. Like they're just doing that basically. So it's fine. They're balancing and they're changing it, giving it a new feel without having to create like a whole new class. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know much about that. So they talk about different things being gone and getting, which, which I probably wouldn't even understand. Cause I don't remember any of this. I made a warlock. I remember that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there's changes, I guess. I don't. So they're saying also that weapon loadouts are changing, but not much else on the gear front yeah so the menus look identical to what you're used to loadouts now what they're doing is you can only have like there's there's some new weapons like um uh they're heavy so there's like new uh, like grenade launchers and rocket launchers but you can only have them in the power slot so you can't have like three grenade launchers so they're just kind of capping what you can carry and you can have like two main weapons and then like a heavy uh, it's it's kind of what it was before but now they're being a little more restrictive on where you can put your weapons or what kind of weapons you can have Mm -hmm. So they're also saying that the Crucible will, f- which is the game's competitive multiplayer Right, that's why I said Crucible. Okay, it's the multiplayer, yeah. Will feel more intimate and strategic. So apparently it did support in Destiny 6 on 6 combat. And, but what they say, they're scaling it back for Destiny 2. The sequel will be limited to 8 player competition across 
all crucible game types so it used to be 12 players per match and now it's going down to eight mm-hmm. so they're reducing the number of players that can play but i don't i don't think that's a big deal it's more personally. intimate because there's less people yeah <laughs> isn't that a funny way of saying it yeah it will feel it's, more intimate it's cozy so that that's the only nice way you can put that we're gonna make it less accessible <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh i mean 100 people used to be able to play well, we'll make it more intimate now only two people can play isn't that intimate yeah they also say that the new guided games feature is Bungie's alternative to matchmaking. This I don't is very know cool. What that means. Yeah, so I'll cover this because so in you never really raided in WoW either, um, but in, in world in World of Warcraft you um you can queue up and then people can uh, like it'll or or like say for um a competitive game like a shooter. You'll queue up and then like Rocket League, right? So when I play Rocket League, I queue up and then it just randomly throws me into a game with five other people for three on three. Yes. Well, what this is going to do is this is actually going to allow because to do the hardest raids, you have to have six people. So it's going to allow you to basically have a menu where if you're one person playing, you can queue up solo. Five people can queue up together and they can say, we need one more person. And they can look down a list and say, oh, I want this guy. Oh, it's like the looking for group. It's like looking for group. Exactly. So it's going to it's 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 integrating a way of being able to bring people together. So guided game feature guided games feature is like the queue is like looking for group in World of Warcraft. Yeah, the, they're kind of incorporating some of the things that we've seen in World of Warcraft or Battle.net right, in general. Which is very interesting. It's very interesting because the PC version will be available exclusively through Battle.net. So I first saw that and my mind was like, what? What if it's amazing? I'm like, holy crap, how did Blizzard... And then I stopped. <laughs> I was like, well, they're the same company. So like Activision, Activision Blizzard... Uh, obviously, Blizzard publishes. Uh, well, Blizzard makes World of Warcraft, but Blizzard is Activision. It's one company. Um, so it's really funny because I was like, "What?" But it makes a lot of sense, and this is a really, really, really good thing. So Destiny Two will have all of the auto updating. It will have, um, I'm assuming, some sort of preloading system where you can preload data, preload patches through Battle.net, and then it has all the anti-cheat stuff. You have to have your account registered. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff's great. So I really like that. Plus, I'm assuming then you can have friends on Battle.net and just invite your friends into yeah. games through the Battle.net. I mean, like, it, it's beautiful. So that leads into number 10. Well, there is good news and bad news about yes. the PC version. So the good news is that... The PC port of Destiny 2 will support 4K resolution. So PC is going to blow away the consoles. Just It's just going to blow them away. <laughs> and players will be able to get deep into the settings and adjust those options for like field of view and stuff. But the bad news is that Destiny 2 is launching September 8th on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. But Activision isn't confirming whether the PC version will arrive on that date. So it's not bad news because we don't know yet. Right, but they haven't said it. If they knew it, right. they would have said it. Maybe they're really trying to get it done. <laughs> so so clearly there's some problems with the integration into Battle.net. That makes total sense. It's it's different from the other ones, so I get it. But I also wonder, this is cons- tinfoil hats going on for a bit, okay? Conspiracy <laughs> theorist Greg is coming out for a bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they release it on PC later because they don't want to kill the console sales. Ah. because this this happens a lot where they they want to promote the console version of the game they want to get that player base going and then they'll sell the pc version later so the and and really there is one downside to it being on battle.net as well which is it'll probably never ever be on sale <laughs> like if probably. it was released through steam you'd see a steam sale you'd see other stuff um there's a lot of companies that sell steam keys and you can get those cheap through other companies sometimes unfortunately battle.net's battle.net 
and it just is what it is and you're gonna pay what you have to pay for it because they're the only ones selling it basically <laughs> so they they make they put up the store they sell the exclusive product so they also confirmed that they're not offering dedicated servers yeah i don't that doesn't bother me i guess i don't i don't know i mean that kind of makes sense i don't know it that doesn't bother me at all i don't know it's, it's a real big thing with people they get really well, this article says, like, and like in the first game, it won't be possible. Oh, but that's kind of unrelated to the servers. It won't be possible to maintain character progress across multiple platforms. Well, if there were dedicated servers, you could probably argue they could do that. Okay. Um, but you're right. So the the idea then is that you, you if, if I play on PC and I decide to get the game on PS4 to play with those guys, I can't share my... But why character. would you expect that? I guess I wouldn't exactly, expect right? that. I mean, if, if everything was online like World of Warcraft, though, you'd think, like, like when you play Final Fantasy fourteen, for instance, on PS4, mm-hmm. and you play it on your PC, you log into the server. All your characters are stored server-side. Oh. So when you log into that server, just it pulls your information and says, oh, yeah, you're Greg Johnson. This is your this is your character. Right. As opposed to this game, I mean, it's it must be stored locally. I mean, I'm assumed it's backed up online too, but it must be stored locally or something. But there's some issue with it where you can't, you know, and that really sucks because it'd be really fun for PS4 people to play with PC people and vice versa. And I don't see why that can't be a thing because Final Fantasy XIV does it. Wait, so I wouldn't be able to play on my PS4 and also play with people that are playing the PC version is what you're saying? What it might be able to do is it might be able to do matchmaking like when you do the Crucible, but they won't do that either because the reaction time on a controller is slower than a mouse and keyboard. They want Mm. the PC crowd and the console crowd separated because of the peripherals you use. Okay. Um, Console players argue that it's unfair because keyboard and mouse is more accurate and faster. Really? It, It absolutely is, yeah. Think about this for a second. When you're using an analog stick and you move with your thumb, yeah. Um, as we're a mouse, you move with your whole hand. Okay. You have your entire hand for accuracy and for doing things, and your thumb isn't quite as, oh. you know, agile. I guess yeah, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it totally does. And then, I mean, as far as keyboard, I mean, the keyboard's not really the big important thing there, but you just have everything you want is right here, like your shift, control, well, WASD, spacebar for jumping, like it's all right there. That so. makes more sense too, because one of the struggles that I have when I was playing things like Uncharted, I turned on the whatever that it wasn't auto lock, but it was kind of like it was that. like aim assist. Yeah, it was yeah. it was aiming assistance because I had trouble using my thumb to target somebody. But but you're right. If I were able to use my whole hand, that's much more stable and much more. Mm-hmm. Like you said, accurate. I guess I never even had thought about it before, but it does make a lot of sense why it would be more accurate to use a computer mouse as opposed to just your thumb on an analog yeah, no, stick. Yeah, it, no, it totally is. And I've been, a, I've, I've always, I started playing shooters on PC and I've played them on console before. Like certain ones like Call of Duty 4 on Xbox, I got pretty good with, but I, nothing beats a PC for me for a first person mm. shooter. So I'm just going to have, like if I buy that game, I'm going to buy it on PC. Sure. And I actually thought about it after reading this info, I got a little excited then I read that it's not necessarily coming out at launch. Forget it. And I'm not going to join a game, even if I only play with people that are also getting a late start. I don't want to play a game where I'm late to the party. I think that's really crappy. And I don't want to. I don't want to start a game where everyone's always like, "Well, I've already done that raid. Here's how you do it. Here's the walkthrough. Here's how to get." Like, I don't want that. I want to be experiencing this yourself. stuff. Like, I, I want to be a pioneer in that game, you know. But I don't want to have to be a pioneer on a console, you know. But hmm. um. So lastly, before we go, guys, there's one thing I want to tell you about as well is uh, I've started doing some more YouTube content and there's some videos I'm really, really proud of that I've been putting out. I'm trying to do uh, one a week, if not a couple of week. And it's a new series I have called First 30, where I literally just play the first 30 minutes of a game I've never played before. 
and I record it live. So it's almost like a Twitch playthrough because I'm talking to you and I'm describing the game as I'm playing it. And I just play the first 30 minutes and then I stop kind of give my rough overview of what I thought. And and it's a lot of fun. So if you guys could watch those, they're on the YouTube channel with uh, this, and they're also going to start being uploaded to uh, my friends and I are starting a uh, YouTube channel called the drop rate. And I wanted to uh, share them there as well. So if you guys can check us out there, we also have a podcast there called the have at you podcast, which is a little more R rated. Um, it's, huh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, this, this is kind of like store Greg friendly, like, you know, it's PG-13. A- appropriate. This, this is PG Greg, actually. I mean, I mean, say PG-13. Well, this I is... said, I said, you know, mega douche and yeah, okay. P- PG, isn't it PG-10 or is it, isn't like a, like a, there's G and then there's PG. We'll say parental guardians. We'll say PG. PG's fine. PG's guess. fine. Um, but that one's a little more R rated. So that's a little more of like me kind of pulling back on the the storefront and i and i don't mean that as like i'm fake at the store but when i'm at the store i try to be a little more professional i don't try to use bad language and i try to be really positive and uplifting about everything and on the have at you podcast i try to pull that back and be like the raving lunatic side that i sometimes feel like when it comes to the gaming world like how things just frustrate me and i i rant almost every week about something on there and so you're bob saget yeah, kind of. Yeah, like on America's Funniest Home Videos, he was like, or, or on Full House, he was like this great, uh-huh. like uh, this great father figure. And then he his switches. Stand-up his stand up is raunchy. Horribly, yeah. it's, horribly and it's vulgar. Awesome. And it's very <laughs> awesome. But anyway, so that's the, the drop rate on YouTube. And uh, we're actually a group of five guys doing it. So there's a lot of content from other people. And I really would like it if you could check them out and give us like a subscription and stuff. That'd be great. And if you just like this podcast, you just keep listening to this and that's fine too. Uh, too but many either way, boys in that podcast. There are. Well, that's why you and me got to record a couple first thirties. You know, just kind of class the joint up a little bit with with a lady. You know. Ha. <laughs> well, uh, and as always, uh, guys, you can message me uh, and follow me on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg with two G's at the end. I'm at Game Talk Jen with one N. <laughs> at the end. At the end. <laughs> in the whole thing. In the whole thing. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you very much, and as always, have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.